Hello and welcome on in to episode number, what are we on now, 12? It's a week 13 review, but the, 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 the PHFL NFL podcast. Joined as always by Kai and by Mikey. How are you gentlemen? How are you doing? Good to be back. Right. Didn't uh, jump the gun this week. No, certainly not. Waited my turn. Waited your turn until you're spoken to. His place. Like a good boy, <laughs> exactly. Uh, talking about jumping the gun, we don't have to do this this whole week because there was no Thursday uh, Thursday game of the last week, you know, so we didn't I have to have an early game to think about. It was all Sunday that we started, so no Thursday night review from all three of us. Instead, Mikey gets to talk right at the start of the podcast. Normally, your games you get to talk about are right at the end, but you get to talk right at the start today because you were looking at the Cleveland Browns against the Tennessee Titans. Uh, Mikey, what do you think about that game? Cleveland won 41 points to 35, a very high-scoring affair. Yeah, game of the week, would we say? I think it was anyway. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, not expected at all, in in my opinion. I know we've said in previous podcasts that the Browns kind of stumbled away to an 8 3 record. It was almost as if they were just, yes, they were running the ball well and things like that, but just came out of nowhere. Absolutely nowhere this game. I thought the Titans, for all that they looked uh, in previous weeks, were going to win this game. I know people don't like Baker Mayfield. And we spoke about it when it was happening. I'm not the biggest fan of him either. But that performance reminded me, and it's going to upset Adam and fellow cheeseheads, but that reminded me of Brett Favre, the way he was playing on Sunday. Adam doesn't like the guy as it is. (laughs) Yeah, I I just thought he was was playing just with absolutely no fear, innovation. He was aggressive. It was just a great performance to watch. It was, that's the first performance I've seen in two seasons from Baker that reminded me of what he was like at college. That, that, that was, those were the kind of performances that made him the number one pick. And it, it's, that's the problem with Baker is that they're not happening often enough. Um, he's, he's always had weapons. He's got Chubb, Hunt, obviously OBJ's out for the season, Jarvis Landry, good tight ends. It's not like he's short of weapons, but he has struggled. Um, but this was, this was the performance that he needed, I think, more than the team uh, as a whole. 25 of 33 for 334 yards and four touchdowns. It was just a, a brilliant game. Um, Titans made a game of it towards the end, but it was just it was too little too late by that point. A um, couple of back-to-back touchdowns on uh, back-to-back drives for the Titans made the scoreline a little bit close, but the Browns blew them out of the water in the first half. Um, I've, one of the biggest disappointments from the game for me, I, I've said on previous podcasts, that I think it was last week, that Derek Henry could have a shot for MVP. But in order for him to do that, he would probably need a good couple more 150-plus yard rushing games, maybe even a 200-yard game. He'd really need to put himself not just in the conversation, but obviously we know it's a usually a quarterback-style award. So 15 attempts for 60 yards and one fumble, just not what you want when you're kind of going for individual accolades. And Titans will recover from this, but it was a, a massive statement win for the Browns. Yeah, the, the Browns are up 38 points to seven at the half. Uh, is it slightly worrying, do you think, Kai, for the Browns, the fact they were up so by so many points? I know they definitely took their foot off the gas, but the fact that they kind of got the game so close as it did in the uh, end? Aye. <laughs> the fact that it still actually ended up being quite a tight game come the end of it. Um, I, th- I think they'll probably, first and foremost, like Mikey said, I think they'll be absolutely delighted that they've, they've got that good a result against a team that many people are probably touting as having a an outside chance at the Super Bowl potentially or, you know, they're they're seen as one of the best teams in the in the NFL at the moment. Um I think there probably will be concern at how badly they played in the second half at times. 
Uh, they looked like they were kind of struggling. I know, obviously, you say they took their foot off the gas, but it did look as if they were, they were struggling to to even score points themselves. The only points they scored in the second half was a, a Cody Parkey field goal. Um, but they were they were that far out of sight by that point that I, they didn't need to be good. Um, but they'll maybe just want to look to try and make their performance consistent across all four quarters. Um, you can get away with being good for half the game against a team if you're that good. But let's be honest, they're not that good all the time. So I know I, think... I, I know it might seem strange, but j- because they were blown out so badly in the first half. But do you think it's anything to worry about for Tennessee? One bad half because they came back into the game later on and we're used to them performing well. Was is there a huge um, amount of worry to have? I I think so. Um, we'll get to this later on, but as it stands right now, if the season was ten today, the Browns play the Titans in the playoffs, and this game was in Tennessee. This playoff game, if it was to happen, would be in Tennessee, and that's going to be playing on a lot of their minds. Um, one thing I think the Browns need to do is have both sets of the offense firing on all cylinders. This game was all about Baker. Chubb and Hunt were quiet in this game. Uh, I think they combined for 113 rush yards and a touchdown, but usually that's just one of those players getting that those kind of numbers or both of them getting uh, individual numbers like that. So I think they need to... It could become a case of if they start to throw a lot, which I don't think they will do. They, just, they had a very good game. I think that teams could find them out, especially with Baker being quite inconsistent. So if they get the pass game and the run game going in, in the same game, They've got a really chance, a really good chance of picking up a win in the playoffs. Who knows what's going to happen? I know our friend Sean thinks, obviously he is a Browns fan. He thinks they're going to win the Super Bowl, and he made that clear at halftime on Sunday. Um, but it was a stunning performance from the Browns. There's, there's no two ways about it. Um, Baker looked brilliant, and very much looking forward to uh, Browns versus Steelers. I don't know if that's the last week of the season, but that's going to be a, a big, big game as well. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Yes, I think I part, part of um, so I was just defensively as well. I think obviously it's easy to say it based on the score, but the Titans were absolutely appalling. Um, when defense didn't get through once for a sack, um, no interceptions, only three tackles for loss. I mean, when you're when a team's that far ahead, you've obviously not played played well, but. I think there was a combination of both. Um, the Browns played really well, and the Titans just been massively under par for the week. Um, I think part of to to kind of touch basically on what you said, Mikey, in terms of having both firing at the same time. I think it's a case of the the Browns were playing so well through the air that they're like, well, we don't really want to abandon this now, and I think people are have become so accustomed to the Browns just being a run-first team with uh, with Chubb and Hunt that really they weren't expecting them to be so good through the air. So if they can get both going, like you say, I think I think they could be dangerous going into the postseason. Yeah, uh, I think the, the Titans have historically not had a particularly great defence yeah. this season. I think we know that. And uh, I think it was shown there. I was impressed to say with our comeback, Corey Davis, 11 receptions for 182 yards was a fairly decent game for him with his touchdown. Uh, but uh, personally, going back to the question I asked Mikey, I don't think there's anything too much to worry about for Tennessee. I don't think this is... Any, I know it seems strange to say, considering all those points in the first half wasn't unexpected, uh, or, or was unexpected, whatever way I want to say it. Um, but I think I think Tennessee know that they really their offence has to tick 
uh, for them to win games because they're not going to win like a, a, a close game. A it's going to be game. yeah, it's going to yeah. be shootouts. So um, I think I think you saw that against against the Colts. They knew they weren't going to out out defend the Colts, so they just went in all guns blazing. And I think that's exactly what's happened this week, but the other way around. Yeah, I think they've, uh, they've got a good game to bounce back this week, obviously, against the, the 1 11 Jags. So pick up the confidence towards that crunch time towards the end of the season because playoff seeding is now becoming a massive, massive factor. So um, they'll bounce back next week, hopefully. Um, and then remains to be seen. They had a great run in the playoffs last year. So who knows what's going to happen again. Another team, Kai, who are competing for playoff seedings are the New York Jets. Uh, no, sorry, not the New York Jets. Uh, it's the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, they were playing against the New York Jets. And the Jets were one horrendously bad defensive play call away from winning a game. Yeah, that's the biggest point I've, I've taken from this game. Um, and unsurprisingly, their defensive coordinator was very quickly fired um, in the fallout from that game. I mean, you can understand, right? See, see a ten or an eleven and O team losing, right? That doesn't come as a shock to anyone. But see, if you were to tell me that any NFL team was ahead with five seconds on the clock, and the opposing team had the ball on the, I want to say like the forty-six yard. It was nearly the nearly halfway, nearly on the halfway line. You you don't want to concede a touchdown from there. And if you do, it's got to be something miraculous. Not what happened there, which was just a total lapse in concentration and the worst play call I think I've ever seen. Well, it was the amount of flags as well. That was the crazy thing. Like They had the chance, the Raiders, to win the game. They lost it. Jets did brilliantly, but there was a flag. They got to have another set of downs. And then that led to a fourth down and they won the game on that. That was the crazy thing. The, 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 The really crazy thing was the fact that they decided to blitz on that play there. Uh, because I don't, I don't know if you know the statistic, but I'll read you here because I'm sure it was Mike Clay that put it up on, on Twitter, that the Jets sent seven pass rushers on the Raiders' game-winning touchdown, which is a Hail Mary-type situation where only a touchdown would win the game for the Raiders. Yep. Uh, even if they got a field goal, it wouldn't have been enough. So they needed a TD. It's an unheard play call uh, in the data set of uh, Next Gen Stats, I think it was, which was since 2006. They're the only team since 2006 to send six or more pass rushers that have met all three criteria of it being in the last 15 seconds of the game with a 4-8 to eight point lead and 40-plus yards to the end zone. There's been 251 passing plays in that situation since 2006 and never has a defence blitzed because there's no need. You just rush three, you send no, everyone you back to the end zone and you just deflect the ball when it gets go, there. You don't you need to get any space. Yeah, yeah. You go man coverage. Every every defensive back or safety or whatever, just pick a man. I know they all bunch together. Pick a man, stick to them. Don't even try and intercept it. Just swat the ball away if you can. That was what's crazy. But we were talking about it at the time, and I don't think I said it on Sunday to you too. But I find it really funny that when the Jets were winning and it looked like the Jets were going to win this game, yes, the Jets only won one game all season and they'd go like one and eleven or something like that. But the Raiders would have been the Raiders would have been slated more than the Jets have been all season for being the ones to lose. And that's funny because the Jets, the Raiders are having a good season. But if someone loses to the Jets, they become the laughing stock of the league rather than the team that's only picked up one win all season. Yeah, and it flips as well. Obviously, we'll come on to it, but the the whole the Steelers and Washington situation, 
Like it's it's the same way the one team to beat them become the greatest team ever. The same yeah. way the team that would lose to an eleven and O team become the worst team ever. Talk, um, talking but, about I mean, Kai, the the kind of great things in this game, uh, Darren yeah. Waller. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was going to say it's it's hard to go uh, and talk about this game without mentioning Darren Waller. He has, I mean, he's always been good, right? And I think everyone knows that he's in the in the last two seasons. Uh, he's he's probably outed himself as one of the best tight ends in the league, but 200 yards and two touchdowns from 13 receptions is something ridiculous. That's Tyreek Hill stats, not a big tight end. He had more he had more yards himself than the whole New York Jets passing offense did. And he had more <laughs> passing yards himself by yep, a long haul than the rest of his team did. Yeah. Like more receiving yards. It uh, madness. Um Derek Carr obviously had a, a good game off the back of the back of last week. Um I didn't think so at the start. One of his first plays he threw an interception. I was like, thank God I've left him on the bench. Yeah. Um but he, he turned it around three hundred and eighty one yards, uh three you, touchdowns. Kai about the Jets that they always start that you know the first yeah. half first quarter is always they play like they score the, a touchdown. Or the Chiefs they play like them and then they just can't they cannot build on that at all i mean this week was nearly the exception to that rule obviously they, yeah. they nearly won it off the back of that but they always just seem to start a game really well and they they tail off quite quickly Can um, we have a, a quick moment of silence for finn yes i was oh. going to mention that sorry finn you're playing against <laughs> waller in both leagues <laughs> and last week he was playing played against, against Derek henry. yeah played against darren waller in both leagues this week and last week he played against Derek henry in both leagues and in one of the leagues they also played against Ty- uh, tyreek hill so yeah, oh I, I, I'll apologise for last week with uh, Derek Henry and Tyreek Hill and uh, obviously the Darren Waller owners as well. It's been a tough, tough I, two weeks. I them. apologise for nothing, Finn. Welcome to the PHFL. <laughs> um, the only other two things I would mention out of this game, really, significance. Uh, the Raiders seem to have a lack of a run game uh, without Josh Jacobs. Um, yes, tell that to me, the, the Devontae Booker who picked him up in fantasy this week and <laughs> gave me no points at all. Um, they seem to be a scenario where if if uh, Jacobs is out, then Booker doesn't play as well. We can't really um, take the onus as as the lead back. Um, positive for the Jets, they played better. Um, and Ty Johnson appears to have kind of done a thing in the backfield. Ty um, Johnson, yeah. He seems to be uh, a better option than Frank Gore. Uh, Frank Gore with his one attempt for two yards, uh, as opposed to Johnson's twenty-two for a hundred and four and a touchdown. Uh, but if I was the Jets, I would, I would probably have him as as my lead back for the rest of the year. Got nothing to lose, apart from possibly the number one seed if he plays too well. No, if he plays too well, because that, that was the other thing. Oh, sorry, at number one, one point, pick, not the number one seed. Sorry. Um, at, at one point, it was looking like the Jets were going to win here, and this will transition quite nicely into the next game. Uh, it was looking like the Jags were going to l- lose. So in that combination, they would have had the same record, and actually the Jags might have had the first pick, which brings us very nicely. Uh, you see, did your own wee link, Kai. You can just do it yourself because you were talking about uh, this game I'm as well. About this anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. So brings us very nicely onto the third game of the week, which was the Jags at the Vikings. Um, see, the, see the one thing I would say about this game. See, despite the score and the fact that it went to overtime, I don't think it was that good a game. I agree. Um. It, it never really seemed to spark into life on the basis of the fact that 
the Jags really need to win, and obviously the Vikings knew a win and results going their way elsewhere would have got them a playoff place or would put them in playoff contention. Sorry. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't say it was the most exciting game uh, I've ever watched, but Vikings end up winning it with a field goal in overtime. Uh, and like I say, with that win, other results going how they did, the Vikings are obviously now in playoff contention after starting the season one of the worst. Um, they've got themselves into a good position now where they kind of, I think they have a, quite a favourable run in as well uh, as compared to some of the other teams. So it looks like they'll they'll potentially pick up one of the wildcard spots um, if they keep it going as it is. Uh, and yeah, I mean, the only other thing I've really got to mention is Justin Jefferson continuing to be probably the best wide receiver in the league as a rookie. Um, yeah, um, sat, and, sat in my taxi squad in uh, Dynasty all season, uh, ranked like the number nine wide receiver or something like that. So it's mad. Uh, I think I think people knew. Obviously, like I, I don't watch a lot of college football, and I didn't in the run up to this season. But you kind of get a feel for like the the college prospects, and he was one that that kept kind of getting mentioned. And I think people probably thought he was going to be good. Don't think anyone could have probably anticipated him being this good. Um, yeah. And I think <laughs> me and Mikey have had the conversation a couple of times and we've discussed it uh, as a on the podcast and off the podcast a few times. There's obviously politics behind who gets Rookie of the Year and like you've said before, Mikey, it's very quarterback dominated. But see, this guy keeps putting up numbers that have, have to put him in the discussion for Rookie of the Year. I'd say he's I think, I think if you've got to pick one, he's the favourite, yeah. We'll, we'll um, get to the Chargers game later, but yeah, I think he's the favourite. But I'm, with the Vikings as well, the absolute credit to Mike Zimmer and the Vikings organisation, because when they were, what, 1-5 and five at some point, yeah. they could have went into a rebuild mode, tried to get maybe a top-10 draft pick, but they stuck at it. Kirk Cousins is playing extremely well lately as well. I don't think he's getting enough credit because he's throwing... I mean, Thielen and Jefferson are getting all the credit, but someone's throwing the ball to them and that's I mean, at the moment. This week he was he was three hundred and five yards, three touchdowns. He did throw an interception, but I mean yeah. he's he's but, um, being being clinical with the ball. Credit to them for, for sticking to it because they could have easily um went into rebuild mode, but they, they stuck with it and who knows they, they could be in for the wild card spot uh, for the playoffs. Yeah, definitely. On the other side of the ball, can I just say I I know that Glennon threw a couple of interceptions, but again, I don't think he was that bad. Again, I think he's fairly solid. I thought he played well. I think he I... looked so much more poised than uh, Jake Luton. I think we seen yeah. the two-point conversion that Jake Luton failed at a couple of games ago. When you've got someone experienced like Mike Glennon who made that throw, it, it just shows that experience is a massive factor in the league. Yeah, as much as the, the stats out of this week maybe don't show it, you would look at those stats and be like, mm, touchdown, couple of interceptions. Like, he's still throwing 280 yards. He's very, very limited in who he can throw the ball to. Um, I mean, if teams are going to target a wide receiver to to cover, they're going to cover DJ Chark, um, and he's not really got much else. He's throwing um, a lot, a lot to honest. the tight end. The guy looking at that, uh, Tyler uh, Eifert. Yeah, ty- Tyler Eifert and and O'Shaughnessy as well. Yeah. O'Shaughnessy. Aye. Um, so yeah, I think when you you've got to give the guy credit. He's kind of come into an offense that he doesn't know that well. He's not probably. Um, he's not had a lot of opportunity to play with them on a game-to-game basis, so he's kind of trying to do it. Uh, we, sorry, that's a lie. He's trying to do it on a game-by-game basis rather than having a lot of experience uh, with the offense, and it, it appears to change almost every week uh, in terms of who's the lead receiver. So, I think I think the Jags have probably got to be looking uh, to be getting the second pick in this draft. 
Yes. And uh, <laughs> in that sense, do they take a quarterback? Yes. There you go. That's yes. the question for you. I 100% agree. Yeah. Um, none of these guys are quarterbacks for the future. And I think Mikey's wearing a, an Ohio State uh, hoodie at the moment. I think, so I think does, Justin does, Fields. I was going to say, I, I thought, does that mean that he thinks Trevor Lawrence is going there? Is that right? <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah, I think, um, I, think, I think Justin Fields would be a, a great fit for the Jags. I think they do yeah. have some explosive pieces on offense. Uh, I think the Justin Fields and Chark connection could be lethal. Um, but and then obviously James yeah. Robinson as well. Exactly. So yeah, good. I mean, every team has good pieces. They're obviously elite athletes, but yeah, I'd like to see Justin Fields on the uh, Justin Fields on the field for the Jags. So we Justin field on the field. Aye, that's quite hard to say. So we think that uh, that the Jags might take an early QB. Two teams that did take early QBs in the draft last year. They're like that link. Kai's giving me a wee kind of guns thing <laughs> in the in the chat here. Uh, so Cincinnati at Miami. Miami won nineteen points to seven and. Sorry, everyone listening, but Kai was looking at this game it's again. Me again. So you're gonna have Don't to worry, listen I'll make to this him. one quick. Um, this was this was the worst game of the week. So so far in the first four games, we've had game of the week at game one probably uh, with the Titans and Browns, and I think this is probably the worst game of the week. Uh, and the Bengals and Dolphins, only two touchdowns in the whole game, uh, and the only other points come from um, the Dolphins scoring field goals. Uh, it never really. I don't think it, it ever shaped up to be a good game, and I think it lived up to that anticipation for it being a bit poor. Uh, Tua come back in, two hundred ninety-six yards, a touchdown. Didn't really have a lot to do. Um, the the Bengals appeared to try Ryan Finley at one point as well, which went disastrously wrong as he managed to throw for forty yards and in an interception from six throws. Um, Brandon Allen. Was honking as well. That's a good Scottish the, word, isn't it? For honking. anyone who's not Scottish, I don't think I've used that uh, before on the podcast. Uh, the Bengals in general were were honking. Uh, aside from that, Tyler Boyd wonder throw, which was his only reception, uh, nothing happened. I think Miles Gaskin was a welcome return for the Dolphins. He was probably a touchdown away from uh, a very good return, ninety yards on the ground and. Uh, 51 yards receiving off a couple of receptions so he's a good option to have back for the Dolphins um, before I come on to the biggest excitement of the game in general I would probably say and obviously we can discuss it I think we've seen the end AJ Green at the Bengals um, he might appear a couple of times for the rest of the season but this, I think this will be it um, I, think I also worry that the ship has sailed on him going to a challenger. There was rumours of yeah. him going to the Patriots when Tom Brady was there and stuff. And the now that teams are going to look at him now and think, is there anything there that's going to benefit our team when you've got last year's wide receiver rookie class that's only going to get better? You've got people like Jamar Chase and things that are going to come into the league. Like to come out of this year. Yeah. <laughs> I so, think like I think it's shaping up uh, in Cincinnati for it, it looks as if probably um, T Higgins is going to be wide receiver one. Uh, with Tyler Boyd obviously backing him up. But I think that's quite a fluid situation between the two of them for the next few years. Uh, with T Higgins obviously only been a rookie this year. But I I don't think AJ Green's got much of a much of a look in uh, in terms of going elsewhere and being a being a lead receiver. I think he's got to settle for sitting in behind somebody and kind of being a bit of a utility man. I, I was uh, with experience behind him. I was gonna ask is the 
PHFL predicting that this is the end of AJ Green's career? Um, I wouldn't say the end of his career in terms of not going to another team, but I don't think he'll be a relevant... He'll definitely not be relevant in any fantasy form, I would say, for the next few years. But I just don't think he'll be a viable option for many th- teams. Do you not think with the money that he'd probably be asking for it, the teams wouldn't pay it? Yeah, that's what I mean. So, like, he's he, he's on such a big contract, he, he would probably bring such a big anticipation when actually he's probably not going to bring a lot more to the team. Or anything he does bring, someone else could give you it for almost the same amount of money, if not significantly less. Um but yeah, I would. I I don't think he's got much of a an outlook left in him. Would he have been more value for the Cincinnati Bengals if he was able to use his fists, perhaps say in a brawl? Yeah, so that was the most exciting thing that appeared to happen this week in that game. Um, I mean, his his wide receiver partner Tyler Boyd certainly gave it a good shot and managed to get himself chucked out of the game. Uh, that was great. I'll be I don't, honest. I don't I condone violence in the NFL, but I wasn't quite sure what properly started it. So basically, I think it was a a punt return, um, and I can't for the life of me remember who it was that actually caught it was for that, the it was Dolphins. A very early hit on the catcher, yeah. Um, and whoever caught it, the ball was a good, still a good twenty yards in the air, and he gets absolutely nailed, um, by by the Bengals, and it just kind of turns into a bit of a, a brawl. Uh, but the funniest thing to come out of it was the picture of the Bengals' offensive line sitting <laughs> at the side. I've got it, I've saying, got it, yeah, yeah. It what was the caption on it? While Bengals players are slugging it out in a fight, our offensive line does what it does best, protects no one, and it's literally both rosters of the Dolphins and the Bengals on the pitch scrapping the referees, and literally the centre, the right guard, left guard, right tackle and left tackle are all just sitting on the bench holding their helmets. <laughs> so, just having a wee chat. A couple of weeks ago, they, they end uh, Joe Burrow's season, and now the, this, they're just sitting there while a big massive brawl breaks out. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, it got a bit nasty. A couple, um, couple of disqualifications out of the game, but, I mean, when the game's that boring, that was something to spark it into a bit of life. But, as I say, yeah, the, never really half, never really looked in doubt for the Dolphins, the late, I would the say. The late kickoffs had already started, and uh, this game had, they was still going on because it was like a 15-minute uh, gap in play. Yeah. That was probably to get all this folk off the field. There was about a hundred of them, and the uh, offensive line had to warm up again because they <laughs> ended up getting stiff. Well, do you know a game that did not have a brawl, but I very much enjoyed watching and watching the highlights was the AFC South matchup of the Indianapolis Colts at the Houston Texans. Indianapolis Colts won twenty six points to twenty, in a game that. Uh, I decided I'm not going to play Jonathan Taylor in my fantasy team because he's not played well <laughs> the last few weeks and the Colts don't seem to want to use him. So, whoops! of course, this week he rushes for 90, 91 yards uh, and he also catches three passes for 44 yards and gets a touchdown. A very good performance from him. I think I've been saying this for quite a few weeks to the Colts. Give him the ball because he's quite good. Stop giving it to Wilkins and Hines. And uh, at one point I thought, giving the ball to Hines had lost the game for the Colts because on fourth and one, they gave it to Hines and it gets stopped. And I thought, oh, right, this could be the turning point in the game. Texans, uh, at the end of the game, had a mess up of their own, would you say? Was it perhaps the most Texany thing to happen? Uh, just Not as, entirely sure what happened Yeah, just, just as they're basically on the goal line, 
uh, a kind of muffed handoff between uh, Watson and Johnson and uh, Fumble and the Colts recover it. Colts have got a good defense anyway, so you don't need to give them uh, give them an excuse to try and get the ball All off right. you. And uh, and they did. The Texans blew a chance to win that game because they could very easily have just run the clock down there, scored a, a touchdown, and all they'd had to have done was score the extra point right as the clock expired. But um, all in all, I quite enjoyed this game, to be honest. I you know, a, a player who was trending in the same direction as AJ Green this season, but over the last two weeks has had a complete resurgence is T.Y. Hilton. Eight receptions for 110 yards and a score. Like, he was just kind of middling in the middle of nowhere in that roster. Obviously, with emergence of Michael Pittman as well. Um, and they've got good receiving backs, but tight ends as well, actually, now that I think of it. But um, great to see T.Y. Hilton back. He was, the last couple of years, he's been such a fantasy-relevant player. Um, but fantasy aside, it, it was good to see him uh, play well and went up to Deshaun Watson at the end of the game to cheer him up because Deshaun Watson looked inconsolable at the end of the game. So that was always nice to see. I mean, I, I have T.Y. Hilton um, in Dynasty format. And for those of you who I haven't mentioned to before, anyone watching, listening, I am actively trying to tank this year to get a bad record because my team's horrific despite winning the league last year. Um, so I actively tried to lose this week. Sorry, Sean. Um, <laughs> I still won. Uh, and part <laughs> of that was the fact that I played T.Y. Hilton thinking he would have another stinker and I actually ended up getting... Uh, quite a few points for me. So about twenty-five yeah, like fantasy points for you, Kai. I would a welcome, welcome oh, return for him. Definitely. Um, I think I think the Colts will be will be glad to get him back as well. Like you say, Mikey, with the with the emergence of Michael Pittman, I think if they can if they can keep T. Y. Hilton firing on all cylinders, get John from Taylor involved. They've obviously got a good defense. Um, they could be a a wee dark horse going into the the postseason. Yep, definitely. And as I say, I don't actually have much to talk about in this game, but I do just want to say, Cokes, just give the ball, give the ball to Jonathan Taylor as Mikey's headphones half fall off his head. Uh, uh, just give the ball to Jonathan Taylor, and you'll do perfectly fine. Seven yards of carry, and there was some statistic I was seeing. I can't remember it exactly word for word, but he's the best player in the league at yards after the catch when you throw the ball to him. Like of any player over a certain number of receptions, he's the best in the league in terms of yards after the catch. So throw the ball to him as well. Just give him the ball to run. Give him the ball when you pass. Just the whole offense goes through him, and Just that was give great. everything to him. Uh, but get him throwing the ball. I but tell me if you're going to do it so that I can put him and <laughs> my fantasy team that week instead of him being sat on the bench. Uh, the the next game was another divisional matchup, the NFC North. It was the Detroit Lions at the Chicago Bears. Detroit won 34 points to 30. And as I watched the highlights again this morning, just to remind myself of the game, I actually thought Mitchell Trubisky played not too bad uh, with his uh, 267 yards and a touchdown. Another player on the Chicago Bears who decided to do something this week was David Montgomery with his 72 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. He actually looked quite good. The amount of opportunities he has in that team, he should have been doing better than he had. Uh... And again, I feel as if I'm talking far too many good things about the Bears. Cordero Patterson, I was very impressed with both catching, running and returning kicks. I thought he was really good. But none of that was enough because the Detroit Lions won 34 points to 30. Uh, without Matt Patricia uh, being in charge, it uh, looks like their offense is flowing a little bit more. Even without Golladay uh, and Swift, uh, Adrian Peterson turning back the years with another two touchdowns. Well done, Claire, for playing them 
in your fantasy How good team is it again. seeing Adrian Peterson still being a relevant player in the league? It's oh, just it's I love you. Even as a Packers fan, um, he's obviously been at the Vikings and now the Lions. It's it's just amazing to see one of the best running backs of all time. Yeah. The one point I really want to bring from this game, because I know, obviously, I said that Chicago, I thought, played quite well. I thought Trubisky played not bad. But on the, the Detroit Lions side of the ball, TJ Hawkinson, he is about to be one of the best tight ends in the league, isn't he? Yeah. He definitely is, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Aye. I've uh, I've obviously got him on ESPN, but um, I also picked him up in Dynasty out of the draft last year. Uh, kind of, I think I picked him as like one of the last ones, just as a kind of random pick. Uh, obviously, nobody really knew who he was. Um, that was the same same draft I picked: Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, and T.J. Hawkinson uh, all in the one. So started the week well, but yeah, I think T.J. Hawkinson has a very very bright future ahead of him. Uh, he's already starting to put in very very good numbers, yeah. and I. Th- Think he could be a good option for the for the Lions. He, I think he reminds nice to stay there. me. He does remind me of Travis Kelsey a little bit. Yep, I was no, not he's very big. I didn't realize how tall he was as well. Um, he's a big, he's a big boy. Uh, I must say, I I think with that offense possibly being released now after Patricia's gone, um, it could uh, it could be very exciting to see what goes on there, um, and especially the fact that there was no Swift and no Galladay, um. I think that offense is quite exciting. Um, thankfully, not enough this season to overtake the Packers. But um, I might be slightly worried for future seasons if the Vikings keep playing as well and lines start to kick on. Um, that could be a very competitive. You'd be worried about the Bears. Well, no. Even though I was impressed with the way they played, I think Trubisky <laughs> played with a bit of freedom actually. Uh, maybe a bit, a bit more confidence than he normally does. I think he he was all right again. Maybe not an elite talent, but I think he he was playing. All right, I'll give him that compliment. All right. Yeah. Mikey, we're <laughs> going to have to we'll turn you off a standby now because you've not spoken for a while about games. It's one of your games now. <laughs> uh, and that's the New Orleans Saints at the Atlanta Falcons. Another divisional matchup. There was quite a few this week. Um, and that's the, the NFC South. The New Orleans Saints, uh, obviously, I say obviously. I'll come on to the predictions later. Maybe not obviously. Uh, but won the game 21 points to 16. Uh, what have you got to say about that game, Mikey? Sorry, I was just uh, finishing off my... I've got a little bit... I just found a nice little stat there for later in the podcast because you weren't talking to me for so long. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, this was similar style of game to the the Browns-Titans, I felt. I, I don't think the Saints were ever in fear of losing this game despite a late comeback in the fourth quarter from the Falcons. Um, I feel like Calvin Ridley was... Is completely not completely dropped off, but obviously compared to how he started the season, he was number one wide receiver after maybe week six or something like that. Um, they have struggled a little bit. Um, the scoreline definitely flattered the Falcons, but um, Taysom Hill <laughs> threw his first touchdown pass since 2016 when he was in his senior year at Brigham Young. Um, and he obviously threw two on the day, so nice to see him finally throw a touchdown rather than running for six every game. Um, <laughs> Michael Thomas, uh, we spoke about it just before we, we started the podcast. In terms of fantasy playoffs and NFL playoffs, it's a perfect time for Michael Thomas to, to make his comeback. So this game, he was 11 receptions for 105 yards. But since in the three games Taysom Hill has played, Thomas has 22 receptions for 259 yards in those three games. Um, and obviously one of those games was that horrible game at the Broncos. So um, 
we said when Taysom Hill was getting the starting job while Breeze was injured that he was going to look for his most reliable player and uh, who else than the best wide receiver in the league last year. So um, Michael Thomas has also reached 500 career receptions, uh, fastest in NFL history to do it, beating Julio Jones and Anquan Bolden. Um, and then the last thing I've got to say is without Drew Brees this season and last season, the, the Saints are 8-0, which is... That statistic's think, crazy, it really is. And yeah, it, it fills the... I, I'm guessing it fills the Saints with a lot of optimism moving forward that that yes, Breeze has been the franchise player for them and the, the key player for them over the years, but at least potentially they know that there's something there in the absence of Breeze whenever whenever he does choose to retire. Because um, Jameis Winston has been playing a few snaps, not obviously a lot. Taysom Hill's obviously been in the driving seat uh, since Breeze has been injured, but the fact that teams are going to have to game plan for three quarterbacks, three completely different quarterbacks as well, is what makes me think that the Saints are going to win the NFC and potentially could win the Super Bowl. I just think that it's something that we've just not seen in the NFL before, having three completely different quarterbacks. I think when Breeze comes back, you'll still see a lot of Taysom Hill as well, like you did see when uh, before Breeze got injured. So, yeah, I, I am now thinking that they are probably going to win the NFC. That That's my opinion. But um, it's, just, it's just a really good offence defensively they were really good as well um, and obviously they, they still hang on to the number one seed in the NFC which is which is heating up at the moment. I think it just confirms if it wasn't already known before by most people that Sean Payton is an elite coach like not I just think, not not just you know I think that some people might have thought oh he's got Breeze and he's got Michael Thomas so you don't need to be great you just the, the game plan has passed the ball from Breeze to Thomas but I think it's just shown quite how good a head coach he really is. Yeah really good Um Top top five, definitely top five in the league, I would say. Um, but I just think his his creative mind is is in a league of its own in terms of what he can do with that offense because you've got massive weapons. I know we've seen a, a downturn in quality from or usage from Alvin Kamara, but I don't think Alvin Kamara will care at the minute. They're winning games, and that's that's all that matters. I think. See if you compared all the teams that are Super Bowl contenders at the moment from both the AFC and the NFC. The thing that links them all together is. A solid defense, maybe not elite, but definitely solid defense. You know, well, well drilled, a, a kind of a Hall of Fame caliber head coach. Uh, when you look at the teams that are possibly going at the Super Bowl, and you know, uh, a solid, experienced QB. I know for New Orleans, they've been using some Taysom Hill as well. But when Drew Brees is back, I think all the teams they're the kind of parts uh, that are showing uh, you need really to get to a Super Bowl. I think uh, I know they say that defense wins championships, isn't it? Uh, but I think head coaching is a hugely important part and perhaps yeah. maybe underrated or, or kind of part of why a team could be really good. Do you have anything to say yeah. in the game, Kai? I've noticed that I've probably interrupted you a couple of times. but No, no. I was just yeah. letting you guys talk. Yeah. I've <laughs> got a sore throat. I've spoke all, all day so far. No, not, not a hell of a lot to say. Um, I just think... The one thing I would point out is obviously the, the fact that Alvin Kamara still managed to have a... Uh, a pretty decent day. I know you've said in weeks gone by that um, he could potentially uh, his his usage and his his relevance and fantasy could potentially take a bit of a hit uh, with Taysom Hill in. But it, I mean, he still did all right last week. Eighty-eight yards, a touchdown uh, on the ground, and got a couple of receptions. Uh, still not what you come to expect to Kamara, but I mean, if that's him taking a hit, then he's still very viable. Yeah, I think Latavius Murray was the one this week that took the hit because uh, in previous uh, weeks he'd done fairly well, but he only had five attempts uh, this week. I tell you what, though, uh, 
Kai, another Super Bowl contender from the NFC was the Seattle Seahawks. And you had them. They were playing at home to the New York Giants. In fact, in my notes, I've actually, for some reason, written New York Giants at Kai instead of at Seattle. Uh, but, <laughs> but, uh, I have a feeling you have done that before. <laughs> I probably I would, have. I would, pay, I would pay money to see that. <laughs> uh, but the yes. whole Giants team against me. <laughs> tell, us, tell us, Kai, how the Seattle Seahawks did in their 17-12 loss. Um, I I don't really know what to say here. I think we've said it all about the Seahawks a, at some point this game, season. Wasn't it? I, it's I mean, obviously, uh, like I say, we, we've we've kind of been on and off uh, for large parts of this season with the Seahawks. They obviously started the season very very well, and it looked like they were very much the Super Bowl contender from the uh, from the NFC. And then they had a couple of weeks where they were obviously struggling with running backs, and their defense was chopped up to bits. And we were like, now they're absolute rubbish, and Russell Wilson's blown his chance at MVP, and they will not win the division and all that kind of stuff. And then that last week's performance kind of cemented the fact that actually, yet yeah, they're very much a Super Bowl contender again. And then they go and do that this week. Um, I mean, just just before you go into the game, we had when we'll obviously get to the playoffs. Week eight, we said the Seahawks were going to win the Super Bowl. Week, what was the next one? And then week twelve, which was last week, we said that the Seahawks would beat the Titans. How quickly things can change when the Seahawks yeah. and the Titans lose these uh, lose this week? PHFL um, curse is it? Is that what it is? As soon as you <laughs> say this team's good, they're going to lose a game. Yeah. Um. Aye. So I would say probably shock of the week. I think going into that, if you'd told me that the Giants would beat the would beat the Seahawks, I would have probably said they would have had to play well to do it. But they didn't. That's the thing. I don't think either team was that good offensively. Uh, the Giants just played so well on defense. I thought uh, and finished the game with uh, three, four fumbles, five sacks. Got themselves an interception as well. Interception was a bit of a weird one. Um, I don't think it was as much them as Russell Wilson throwing a ridiculously stupid ball. Um, but yeah, Giants defense were were absolutely excellent. I thought and and totally shut the shut the Seahawks down. Uh, Chris Carson was a, again a welcome return. He can, he helps the Seahawks in both sides of their offense. He's very very good on the ground, um, but he's obviously a very good receiving back, and you saw that with it being the the only touchdown they got was him him getting a receiving touchdown. Uh, but forty five yards of a touchdown receiving and sixty five yards on the ground is combined for just over a hundred yards uh, in total. I I'm, I don't really have a lot to say on the on the Giants side of the ball. They no, uh, look. I mean, at... Wayne Goldman, one hundred and thirty-five yards. He appears to have obviously that um, Devonta Freeman is away now uh, or out call for him, the season. Call him by his real name, Kai. Sorry. Call him by his real name. What? Wayne the train. Aye, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he appears to have. Um, he appears to have come on leaps and bounds in the last few weeks Alfred Morris keeps appearing with touchdowns Yeah, I, I, it doesn't appear to do anything else and then I uh, feel like a touchdown yeah uh, well uh, is he the to Giants get himself involved. the Giants kind of Jordan Howard <laughs> I, does nothing and then just decides to get himself a touchdown yeah. and well, like no yards I mean 39 yards last week still not great Yeah, um, I've got a question for Adam about the Giants did the Packers miss Blake Martinez? Yes. He is third in the league for tackles with 111 tackles on the season. 
Like I know he was. I mean, he wasn't a an elite player at the Packers, and it wasn't a shock to see him leave. But how well he's doing with the Giants, considering that that position is probably a, an area where we are needing to strengthen, is is quite tough to take at the moment. Yeah, that kind of middle linebacker position, I think, is really important for the whole defense. You don't need an elite person there, but you need someone experienced, competent, and I think it's the players that aren't elite that teams lose that you realize quite how important they are only once they're gone. Uh, I think that's an example, Uh, yes. Can I just say in this game, uh, the thing that annoyed me the most about it was the hugely unsatisfying 5-0 scoreline at halftime. That shouldn't be allowed. I thought I was watching Super Sunday. I thought I was watching Spurs beating Arsenal. <laughs> Don't talk about Arsenal losing, please. Yeah. Uh, that that was... <laughs> but, like I mean the 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 Giants come out of that while win with having one of the most mediocre middle of the road quarterback performances ever. Colt McCoy only had 105 yards, 13 passes. Sol- solid, solid backup QB play, isn't it? Really? It's... I mean, it's just what you would want the guy to come in and just do something. Yeah. Um, yeah. The fact that they're winning games without Saquon and, and Daniel Jones is amazing. That's credit to Joe Judge. Hi. Um, the only other thing I have on this game, and obviously uh, this is the last game that I was looking at this week myself, and I can't leave you without a wee stat. Give us a, a stat, Kai. Give us a stat. Hold on, uh, does Adam, Adam, do you want to say a start? I, might, I might say the start. <laughs> try, try and beat me to it. Uh, no, the Giants have now won three straight games on the road in a single season for the first time since 2011. The last time they did it in 2011, won they won the Super, the Super Bowl. Bowl. <laughs> um, not that that's going to happen this year. I was going to say, is that is that Kai's prediction of the week? Uh, Giants Kai's for the Super Bowl. Out claim of the week. <laughs> <laughs> um, nah, I can't see them winning the Super Bowl, and if they do, I, I yeah, fair play. Them. I can't yeah. see them win the Super Bowl either, <laughs> Kai. But you know, a team who very possibly could win the Super Bowl are the LA Rams, and they were playing at the Arizona Cardinals. This NFC West matchup, and uh, Mikey, you were having a look at this for us. What do you think about the game? It was a win for the Rams, thirty-eight points to twenty-eight. Yeah, this was a conflict of interest for me because I very much like the Cardinals, but I've, I've said since the start of the season, I'm all in on the Rams this season. I'm, I love them. I think last week I said that I thought that they would get to the Super Bowl, but you two ousted me and put the Seahawks in. Um, but the Rams are just doing what the Rams do best. I know it's a different style of winning compared to what they did in 2018 when they got to the Super Bowl, when they had the most elite offense probably in the league that year. But... Um, they're just getting it done. So, obviously, they play the Patriots tonight, which is a, a big, big game. I'm actually really looking forward to that one. But um, they finish with the Jets and then two divisional games against uh, the Seahawks and the Cardinals. So, a relatively tough run in, but I wouldn't be surprised if they if they won out and finished 12-4, and four, to be honest. Um, I've, I've been talking about the Patriots lately that I like them, but um, I did say that this was a game that the Rams would probably come out on top. But the Cardinals struggled. They really struggled, um, and they're struggling in recent weeks. I think one of the big things is because they don't have Larry Fitzgerald on the field. I know he doesn't light up the box score, but he's just such a, a big player to have on the field. Um, almost that leader, the captain, someone that can organise offence. You see them whenever they're in hurry up or no huddle that Larry Fitzgerald's the first to get the ball back and take to the centre. It's things like that that they're missing at the moment. Um, and the Cardinals' run game has just been non-existent there the past couple of weeks. So, Kenyon Drake, Chase Edmonds and Kyler Murray all combined, the three of them for 92 yards on only 21 carries. 
21 carries between the three of them, which is just madness. Um, I know you're playing against one of the best uh, defensive units in the league, but I thought that would run. They would run the ball more. Obviously, they they were trailing at times, so they're going to have to throw it. But Jared Goff, 300 plus yard passing game again. Feel like that becomes part and parcel of Jared Goff's game when he's playing well. Um, the whole team just as a unit is clicking. The run game's looking lethal as well. Cam Akers went for 72 yards and a score. Henderson for 49 yards and a score. And Jared Goff had one yard, but for a score as well on a quarterback sneak. So, um, and then you've obviously we've spoken in the past about these three wide receivers, the Woods uh, Cup uh, and company. So, yeah, really liking the look of this Rams. Uh, McVay's just got them drilled into what they need to do leading into crunch time in the playoffs. So long as they don't have to play against the 49ers, they do quite well. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't All have right, anything else to add in that game. I don't know about you, Kai. I think Mikey's covered it very well. Very professional analysis from Mikey there. I, only, <laughs> only other thing I would add was, was how good the, the Rams look for for the rest of the season. I mean, they've got um, two massive divisional games, week 16 and 17 against the Seahawks and the Cardinals. I think by that point, they will probably be hoping that they're in a secure enough position. I mean, they play the Patriots and the Jets. Do you think they win the division? The next two weeks. I think if they don't win the division with that run-in, I think they'll probably de- de- <laughs> be disappointed, is what I tried to say there. I'll give you a short answer, um, Mikey. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for that. That's all I need. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, w- I would tend to agree. I think they'll probably win the division. And I think the Cardinals will finish with... A uh, losing record. Yeah, I said that the the Vikings would pick the Cardinals to the playoffs. That was my one of my outlandish claims, and especially after that, those two results last at the weekend, it's um, looking more and more likely, which I like to hear. Yeah, well, I love being I love being correct. Well, do you know another <laughs> one you might be correct with, Mikey, is the New England Patriots with your outlandish claim about them because they were playing against the Los Angeles Chargers this week and they won. 45 points to nil. Yes, everyone listening, you did hear that correctly. 45 points to nil. Uh, I was looking at this game, and to be honest, I'm not quite sure what I observed when I was watching it. (laughs) Because when you look at Cam Newton, he's only passed for 69 passing yards. Which was amazing for me. I know that obviously Stidham came in, he passed for 61, but that was just on two uh, two completions. Sorry. I'd quite like to look at the, the stats to see like teams that win by what 40, 40 plus points or whatever, like what's how many quarterbacks have thrown for less than like 200 yards because that's just it's the, ridiculous. There's the probably whole, only a handful of people. The whole offense was less than 300 yards for the Patriots. Yeah. And they've yeah. 45-0. They've, they've won that game, which is, I, I don't know how, I, I'm just, I'll be honest, I am speechless. Even though I meant to analyse this game, I'm speechless about it. Um, I think that sums it up. Yeah, I, I know this might sound strange to say for a team that's lost 45 points to nothing, but I don't think the Chargers played that bad. I know that Herbert threw a lot of incompletions, but I, I didn't immediately look at the game and go, oh, that team has, has lost 45 points. See if you didn't have the scoreboard in the corner and I was just watching the plays, I wouldn't have went, oh, this team's so bad they're going to lose 45 now. But all I can say is well done to the Patriots. And I think we were discussing this just before the game started. Uh, it might have been in the podcast last week. It might have been in our group chat that Bill Belichick, is it in, in the chat? There you go. <laughs> uh, it was Bill Belichick. I've got the quote here. Yeah, on you go, Mikey. You, you finish it's, it for me. As I said, 
at, at three o'clock, so three hours before kickoff, I said that the Patriots secondary are going to lock up uh, Keenan Allen and Cole this week. And uh, Kai, who predicted the Chargers as a wee spoiler for future uh, later <laughs> on in the podcast, he said, um, uh, I think this might be where Chargers show a bit when Herbert doesn't feel like he's under pressure to throw almost every play. Um, and I said, this is just a classic case of a better coach with a lesser team against a lesser coach with a better team. And usually the coach comes out on top. So Belichick relishes yeah. these kind of games. And uh, as we said, it, it, it's weird that it was a 45-0 game. Like, it felt low scoring. It, it did. I know, yeah. obviously, the Chargers scored zero. But just obviously, there was the, I think it was the punt returner, uh, the goal. Yeah, there was um, a good defensive display from the best defensive unit last season in the league. So nice to see them come back. But Stefan Gilmore again slowly kind of grown into um, grown into this season. He was quite quiet at the start of the season. Obviously, defensive player of the year last year. So um, yeah, I hope I hope my um, as much as I usually have the hashtag every year hashtag anyone but the Patriots. Obviously, they're not going to win the Super Bowl or might even not make the playoffs. But I hope my prediction of them is right because I do like Belichick and. Obviously, with Tom Brady leaving, it's it's nice to see that he's still winning important games. Belichick against rookie QBs, yet another win for Belichick. It. There, yeah, exactly. Not bad, is it? Not yeah. bad at all. Uh, it's an almost a certainty. Uh, do you know what uh, what wasn't bad either, Mikey? It was the uh, the fact that the, that the Green Bay Packers beat the Philadelphia Eagles thirty points to sixteen. So what was that? Sorry, uh, the, I've been uh, dreading. Let me this just say moment. this. I just say it again, just in case. 30 points to 16, the Packers beat the Eagles. La, 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 oh, no, wait, just in case you didn't hear you it, know, it's 30 know, points la, la, to 16. We should have started the podcast last year. <laughs> the, the Eagles beat the Packers last year. Um, I think they they took a, they took took we took our first loss of the season last year to the, the Eagles, so we maybe should have started the podcast last year to give Kai a bit of a something head start. to hear about anyway. <laughs> I, will, I will not spend too much time on this. No, but, um, but I will, Mikey. Uh, <laughs> I will <laughs> 10-15 minutes on this um, <laughs> there's obviously a big talking point that we'll get to but in terms of the game just vintage vintage Aaron Rodgers the, it's almost as if you see it I don't know if it's like if the when it comes down to plays he just sees it like the matrix where everything just completely slows down and he sees everything just 100 times slower than everybody else That that's the way I see him play he's quickest player to ever score 400 touchdowns seventh player to do it overall and he beats uh, Drew Brees' record his 200th touchdown pass was to Devontae Adams and his 400th touchdown pass was to Devontae Adams. Let's hope his 600th touchdown pass comes to Devontae Adams um, and long may that continue. The question I've got for both of you is, does Green Bay have the best quarterback, QB1, wide receiver one, running back one trio in the league? I was sitting watching the highlights again because obviously it was on Red Zone so we didn't see the full game. So I watched the, the highlights just to see if Red Zone had missed anything significant. Not that it does usually, but... And I was thinking that, like, you've got Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball, one of the best ever. Devontae Adams, arguably in the top two wide receivers this year. And Aaron Jones, who I think is... No. Criminally underrated. Top five five running back, I would say. This is their stats just from this game alone. Aaron Rodgers, 25 of 34 for 295 yards and three touchdowns. Devontae Adams, 10 receptions for 121 yards and two touchdowns. Aaron Jones, 130 yards and one touchdown on 8.7 yards per carry. Like that trio is lethal. And that's not to mention people that you've got like Robert Tonyan, who's now starting to emerge as a breakout player for us, Mercedes, Mercedes Lewis, a good veteran to have. I am biased. But I think it's the best QB1 wide receiver one, RB1 
in the league. My debate for that would go to New Orleans when you've got Breeze, Kamara and Thomas. Yeah. That would be the uh, other one. That would be the other one competing against them, I think. We could probably we could probably do a podcast on its own just on like the, the best trios in the league, um, which was something we could definitely look into. But I think we're being very game. harsh. I think we're being harsh here and saying those are the best. I think we've been harsh on Wentz, JJ Arcega, Whiteside, and Jordan Howard. I think I think yeah. they've got to have a look. No, so wait, wait, wait. Sorry, Kai. Kai, Kai said... We were talking about QB ones. Yeah, yeah. QB1s. Starting QBs, Kai. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. So that's that's obviously the Packers one. Eagles put up a bit of a fight towards the end, um, but the big news is obviously Jalen Hurts is going to start Week 14 for the Eagles against New Orleans. Kai so celebrates massive. in the background for our listeners yeah. who can't see Kai jumping. Massive. Out. Massive congratulations to him. He absolutely lit up the Big 12 uh, with the Oklahoma Sooners. It, it was, for anyone that doesn't watch college football or, or know much about Jalen Hurts, I would compare him to Dak Prescott. That's probably the best comparison. I think he's mobile. He's poised in the pocket. He's got a good arm. He's a good leader as well, which we haven't seen with the Eagles yet. One of the big things is he's, he's very durable. Obviously, we can't really say that about Dak now because um, he broke his leg. But uh, <laughs> before that, before that, Dak was a very... I think he played started every game um, for the Cowboys since his rookie year. And Jalen Hurts, I don't think, missed many games with the Oklahoma Sooners. Um, I'll pass it on to Kai. I have my doubts about Jalen Hurts as much as I'm a big fan of him because I think he's still a very raw quarterback in terms of the NFL and it's a massive step up. They've, they've got a tough run and we've spoke about over recent weeks. Um, offensive line isn't going to do him many favours. Receiving core, yeah. but I'm excited to see what happens. It's nice for Philadelphia Eagles fans to finally have an uplift. Um, I feel for Carson Wentz because I don't know if he'll ever return to that kind of MVP calibre elite status, but good news for a lot of Eagles fans who are calling out for Jalen Hurts. Well, you'd hope that Wentz might return to that because he's getting paid quite a lot to be your backup, Kai, if he is ending up being your backup. Just just before I said, uh, just before Kai jumps in here, this is something I, I heard on um, Pro Football Talk. So this season, Philip Rivers signed for the Colts for £25 million. If you said to the Colts at the start of this season, you can have Philip Rivers for £25 million, or you can wait a year with Jacoby Brissett and have Carson Wentz for £25 million. I think 99.9% of the population of people would pick Carson Wentz. I know he's had a bad year, but there's still there's still a lot of room for him to be a good quarterback, especially with an offensive line that the Colts have. So, yeah, it's it's who knows where Carson Wentz is going to be next year. I don't think he's going to go much longer, especially if Jalen, uh, Jalen Hurts finishes the season strong. I don't think they can afford to trade him. The the cap hit is something stupid like 39 million, is it not, even if they trade him? Yeah, I think so. Which is an issue especially when the the cap the salary cap for next year is dropping to 176 million if you've if you if you lose 39 uh or something like that when you're trading it's aye um yep so let's get to sunday night football um (laughs) (laughs) right your 90 seconds start now kai on you go you two have managed to talk more about the Eagles than you did about the Packers, and I've kept quiet for that amount of time. It was, it was a routine win for the Packers. Good to, good to see them win. Hopefully we can get the one seed. Um, I just so relieved that they finally just bit the bullet and did it. Um, and I think it was probably one of the best times they could do it. You're going up against a team that have one of the best records in the NFL right now. You're behind already. Nobody's expecting them to do much nobody's expecting them to come in and, and turn the game around but 
My God, he nearly did it. Um, are you are you worried that he's going to be exposed between now and the end of the season as a as a quarterback? I I kind of I, I have a bit of worry about the teams we're playing, and that's why I was kind of annoyed that they've waited until this point to do it because they're going to chuck him right in at the deep end. I mean, he's going up against the Saints this weekend, right? Now the, the, the again, not expecting much out of him. Not sorry. Not expecting much out of the game in terms of getting a result, but I would quite like to see him just play with a bit of freedom. The the lift that it gave the team, the lift that it gave everyone watching, and the lift that the the game got as a whole um, when he came in was it's like night and day. I almost feel like Carson Wentz is such a boring quarterback right now because you can you can anticipate what he's going to do. If he can't throw to someone that's wide open, he's going to hold on to the ball for ten minutes and just wait until somebody hits him. Um, obviously, Jalen Hurts comes in, a couple of wee receptions, gets a couple of wee runs in and around the offensive line, scampers forward, and then goes and throws an absolute bomb to Jalen Riga. That's the that's thing. He wasn't he wasn't just playing little chunk plays. He was making good throws. Aye. I mean, he throws a bomb to Jalen Riga, and then on 4th and 18, that's what I didn't realise until I watched the highlights, was that it was on 4th down. He goes and throws that touchdown, gets himself out of the pocket, gives... Um, Gives Greg Ward time to get down the field and, and throws a very, very good ball uh, for Greg Ward to catch. And then straight off the back of that, um, three and out for the Packers, punt return, and Jalen Rieger takes it to the house. And at that point, I was like, all right, okay, um, now we're on. And I thought, because I'm pretty sure we ended up with the ball back as well. Uh, or was it? I can't remember whether it was that. After that play, we then shut out shut you out again and got the ball back or whether in between that Aaron Jones scored that touchdown um, hard to be disappointed with the result given how well the Packers are playing um, but yeah really nice to see Jalen Hurts in really nice to see a bit of a turn in, in fortunes and uh, really nice to see Zach Ertz back as well I really like Zach Ertz and I think he's such a big big weapon for this team um, yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next few weeks but Kai sent Kai sent me this yesterday. So <laughs> this is a, a, a stat comparison between DK Metcalf and JJ Arcega-Whiteside. And obviously the, the Eagles passed on DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf, 10 receptions, 177 yards. And Arcega-Whiteside, 12 receptions, 214 yards and a touchdown. And those stats are, are pretty, pretty respectable for both of them. But you don't realise that those stats for DK Metcalf is for the one game against the Philadelphia Eagles. And those stats for our Sega Whiteside is his career stats. <laughs> that's that's uh, poor showing from uh, Philadelphia Eagles then. If, uh, they Can you off. imagine Carson Wentz was throwing to DK Metcalf and Justin Jefferson? No, I can't imagine and that, Mikey, Zachary. because I don't think Wentz would throw it. I think he'd just hold on. To... <laughs> no, I was going to say, that, that is totally... F- um, in a fantasy line because Wentz can't throw the ball that far without throwing it into someone's arms that's is, not his receiver do you think uh, Peterson's job's in danger? massively massively yeah um, I think so resting on the laurels of the Super Bowl yeah massively um, I think he's one of the ones obviously after every week they kind of talk about who's in the hot seat I think I think his seat is the hottest at the moment um, I think he's got a lot to do between now and the end of the season to keep his job uh, I think the, he's already done part of that is by giving 
Jalen Hurts a chance and finally realising that Carson Wentz needs a bit of time. I think, sorry, just I don't want to keep rambling on. I think one of the good things that will come out of this is that Carson Wentz is now going, all right, okay, I've got a fight on my hands. And I kind of hope that... I'm not saying I don't want to see Jalen Hurts do well. I want to see Jalen Hurts do well, but I want it to be the catalyst for Carson Wentz. And then maybe come next season, because he'll still be there. I'm almost 90% certain he's still going to be there. Um, you've said that you've said that Doug Peterson's got the hottest seat of them all. Anthony Lynn is saying right now, "Hold my beer." Hold my beer. <laughs> yeah, I have got this. But I think I think if you look at the the, I mean, Anthony Lynn's obviously got to be in there as as been very much on the hot seat. But I think there's so much more expectation uh, on the on the Eagles based on what they've done in the past few years. The Chargers have obviously kind of turned a corner in terms of right. They've got a new quarterback in. Um, and they're letting him learn the offence and, and learn the playbook and stuff. I think you've got to give the guy time, but yeah, Anthony Lynn's certainly not helping it. Right, Eagles chance is finished. I've made the decision. We're moving on. I'm going on to Sunday I'm night. I'm not going to ramble, no. but I'll continue to ramble. <laughs> We're moving on. We're moving on to uh, a quarterback who doesn't often just hold on to it and often bombs it down the field, and that was Patrick Mahomes who is obviously the quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs, and the Chiefs won 22 points to 16 over the Denver Broncos, um, mainly thanks to uh, Harrison Butker. Would you, would, you, would you agree with that? With all those field goals that were, were made by him. Uh, basically, all the points, apart from a Travis Kelsey touchdown, uh, the rest of the, the points were all scored from the, the boot of Harrison Butker. Uh, I actually thought, looking at this, that... Denver gave a fairly good account of themselves and there was a chance, I thought, hey, we've got an upset yeah. on our hands. But in the end, that uh, talented Chiefs side won the game 22 points to 16. Chiefs just seem like they're on autopilot, don't they? Like they're literally yeah. just coasting to wins. They don't need to even try, it looks like. No, I totally agree. And you know who especially doesn't need to try is Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Mikey, yeah? He's looking at me with... Anger and hurt. He's just not saying anything. <laughs> so I was in a... Obviously, I, I'm the number one seed in our league. I don't know. I, have you mentioned that before, Mikey? I'm not, I'm not sure if you I mentioned. Haven't, I haven't, no. And uh, I have... My last two games of the season are against the third seed and the second seed. So I was playing the third seed this week. And the whole week, I was unsure because Edwards Allaire was ill and it was, he was questionable. So I had options. I had Le'Veon Bell that I could have brought off the waivers. I had a spare spot in my roster. Um, I had... I think Philip Lindsay was available. Um, and then a couple of the Ravens or Cowboys running backs, maybe Tony Pollard and stuff. I had options to replace him and came up about an hour before kickoff that CEH was upgraded to active. And he was suited up and fully helmet, ready to go. And I watched the first quarter and I was kind of dozing off and I got a message from Adam saying, he's not been on the field for a single snap. He did not play at, He did not play one snap at all the full game and finished with zero points. Even if he dropped 25 points, I think I still would have lost, but it angered me a lot that that the Chiefs decided not to play him. I don't blame CEH, I blame the Chiefs. <laughs> is that, is that your CEH rant over? <laughs> on, the, on the other side of the ball, talking about the running backs, Melvin Gordon had a game, 131 yards from 15 attempts, uh, which is not no touchdowns, but you know a, a fairly decent game for the running back there. Um, Noah Fant was the, the leading receiver uh, for the, the Broncos in a passing game which didn't really kick on with only 151 yards in total. But he had four receptions for 57 yards as Noah Fant. I remember there was talk of kind of Hawkinson versus Fant 
uh, originally when they were uh, drafted and, and deciding who's going to be fantasy relevant in those. It looks like Hawkinson's kind of winning that battle. Uh, but don't get me wrong. I feel sorry for... No, no, I was no. just going to say, I feel sorry for Fant to an extent because he obviously got that injury quite early in the season. Yeah. Um, the first few games before that, it looked like him and Drew Locke had quite a good connection with each other. Um, and they were looking looking like he could potentially be quite a, a big uh, weapon in that offense. But kind of coming out the back of the the injury, he's, he's kind of stumbled back to, to where he was before. Obviously, this week's a, a reflection on, on what he's capable of, but I think he's capable of more than that. Yeah. Let's jump on from this game because in the end it was fairly routine. Though it wasn't the normal, typical Chiefs win. We expected the Chiefs to win and they did. Just a shout out to Tim Patrick, who I think has got a very boring name, but two touchdown receptions there, you know. That's great. Aye. <laughs> it's almost not... as bad as uh, Colin Johnson <laughs> last Aye, week. Exactly. It's like two guys you would meet in the pub in Aye. the west coast of Scotland. Aye, good old Tim with his two two uh, two touchdowns <laughs> from his four receptions there. Uh, the next game was, I mean, there was a whole lot of games moved about because of the games last week that got moved about. So this was an, an early Monday night game, which I think was 5 o'clock Eastern, so it was 10 o'clock at night our time. So we were able to see it. And it was the Washington football team at the uh, undefeated at that point, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. Yes, Mikey, he's making a wee heart shape. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just... But, just I, I... I will say uh-huh. two words, and that is it, and that is Alex Smith. Yes, Alex Smith. I'll let you two talk about the rest. That's me. I just, I'm not even going to say anything. Yes. So, Washington football team beat the unbeaten at that point, Pittsburgh Steelers, 23 points to 17. And it had nothing to do with Tony Gibson, because he went off with a bad <laughs> case of tough toe <laughs> after two attempts, which I didn't appreciate. But instead, Alex Smith, 31 completions, 296 yards and a touchdown. Nothing hugely special, but a solid game. Uh, mainly pass of the running back, would you say, with uh, JD McKenzie getting ten of those receptions? Yeah. Uh, but it was a, a, a. Some people might say a surprise, but I think I'd been saying for quite a while that I thought the Steelers might have been one of the kind of worst undefeated teams we'd known, and uh, and in the end they ended up. Uh, they came, this game. They've kind of stumbled, or they had stumbled to the to their unbeaten record. Um, I think Alex Smith's stats are made even more impressive by the fact that uh, one of his teammates managed to puncture his shin open um, in the in the first half when the camera panned his leg and I got the fright of my life because there was blood everywhere. I was like, oh no, is that? I thought it was his bad leg um, and I thought things were going to get bad. I thought that could have been the end of it all. Uh, luckily, it was his other leg, and it got it got patched up. But he played like quite a few snaps with his leg absolutely pouring with blood. Yeah, uh, I think the I, with the Steelers the past couple of weeks, I think the Cowboys found the blueprint on how to beat them. The Ravens then attempted said blueprint on how to beat them, and Washington succeeded in said blueprint. I think that was it was a a long time coming for the Steelers. I know that. Yes, you can only beat what's in front of you, and 11 and 0 is nothing to be scoffed at. But Washington did what they had to do, and um, it was the interception at the end. Just it was a Montez Sweat was outstanding um, on Monday night. Um, he was tipping everything away, um, forcing a lot of incompletions from Big Ben. But obviously, the the big one was the tipped the tipped pass that led to the interception, which basically won them the game. Yeah, I must say, I was I was just very impressed with that Washington football team, to be honest. One thing about the Steelers, 
is Deontay Johnson now has the most drops of any uh, receiver in the league at the moment. Um, well, even though he's been catching lots of balls, he, he the number like I, I'm not quite sure how they classify a drop, but basically, I think he's now got nine for the season. Even though he had, you know, eight receptions, seventy-one yards, and a touchdown, I think he's he's had a few drops the last few weeks, which is I think getting yeah. very frustrating for that Steelers team and for both teams. There was no rushing game at all for either side. Forty-five yards think, for Washington, um, and twenty-one yards for the Steelers. Ebron and uh, Juju were dropping a lot of balls. I think Claypool, uh, Claypool maybe dropped a couple, and Mike Tomlin's came out and said, "If our receivers can't catch balls." There's players in our practice squad or players in and about the roster who will who will catch balls basically that. So I think he's yeah. trying to light a fire under these receivers because it has been a bit stagnant uh, of late. Obviously, if anybody was watching the game, um, Big Ben's thrown 250 interceptions against the teams from the <laughs> NFC East this season. Yes, the, the 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 stat came up at the side. Three games versus the NFC East this season. Big Ben touchdowns nine, interceptions 250. Uh, hopefully, whoever made that graphic got a little slap in the wrists for that because he's as as much as he's not been lighting it up this year, he's not throwing two hundred and fifty interceptions. No, you, you need to add one to it though, so it's two hundred fifty-one. That was, was two hundred fifty-one. Yeah, that was Jameis Winston last season. I think that. <laughs> but yes, um, well done, Talek Smith. I was. Yeah, it was a pleasant surprise that um, Antonio Gibson went out so early because right, okay, yes, fantasy this yes, week we were and other. there was still a chance that Antonio Gibson could have a really big game and get Adam right back into it but 1.4 points isn't quite the big game sorry um, I'll come back I mean, stronger to be fair, next year I, I had Terry McLaurin so I mean I only get three and a half points out of him yeah but three and a half points more than you yep that's true and you know what we can just move on from that now and we can look, look at Monday night football and I'd seen a statistic that Buffalo really had a very bad record on Monday Night Football, apparently. They'd lost quite a few Monday Night games they'd been part of, and they were travelling to San Francisco for this one. So some people thought, oh, this could be a tough game for them, but 34 points to 24, Buffalo ended up winning the you game. You lied, Adam. What's that? You lied. Did I? They went travelling to San Francisco. Sorry, that's true. They're not in San Francisco at the moment. <laughs> They're in Arizona. It was, playing, so weird. it was so weird saying that seeing Bills versus 49ers with a big Arizona Cardinals thing in the end zone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. sorry, I was forgetting that. I was just reading the fixture. <laughs> yes, the, the San Francisco 49ers playing in Arizona. Um, in the end, a good win, as I say, for the Buffalo Bills. Um, Stefan Diggs and Cole Beasley doing the business. I, I, that's when I wasn't talking earlier. It's because I was finding this stat: Cole Beasley this season has more yards than AJ Brown, more receptions than DK Metcalf, more yards per reception than DeAndre Hopkins, more touchdowns than Julio Jones, and more hundred-yard games than Tyreek Hill. That, and you think with Stefan Diggs being the wide receiver one, aye. like he is, and he's also QB two on that team as well. So um, I think. Um... I think that's why the Bills are so good at times is because it would be so easy for a defensively to just lock up Stefan Diggs, but then like they'll throw the ball to Cole Beasley. They'll throw the ball is to he, Gabriel the Davis. Perfect, the perfect kind of wide receiver too. Oh yeah. Because he doesn't I don't think he wants to be like a wide receiver one. I think he's happy being wide receiver two and just kinda of going about his business without really being the one getting noticed. But yeah. really I think people should start taking more notice of him because he's very good. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, the San Francisco side of the ball, do you have anything to mention about them? No, it's just interesting to see, obviously, what happened um, in weeks to come. 
I don't really think they've got much to chase anymore, but uh, Nick Mullins had a, a relatively all right game. 316 yards, three touchdowns, the two interceptions slightly uh, tarring it a wee bit, but um, and the, the snaps, or the, sorry, the reception seemed quite split between Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. Uh, obviously, Brandon Ayuk, 20 more yards and a touchdown, but um, they've certainly got a lot to throw the ball to. Yeah. yeah, Nick Mullins obviously the first the first fan of PHFL podcast. Yes, that's yeah. true. Uh, but I think I'm sorry, Nick. I think that team just needs a better QB, and that last yeah. bit very good. E- even when Jimmy G was there, it was maybe not great. Uh, but I think we said for a while that this offense can run with anybody there really uh, at quarterback. But if they just did have, Im- imagine this team had someone like an Aaron Rodgers, and I think we said this a few weeks ago. Uh, you know, like it would just this team would be a Super Bowl contender, a hundred percent. But it, I, th- I think someone like Debo Samuel goes into if with a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, Debo Samuel becomes a top ten receiver in the league. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think as uh, Kai was saying there, though, I think San Francisco probably are starting to kind of shut down their season a bit. I think they realise they're probably not going to be getting in the playoffs, and uh, I'm not saying they're going to tank. But see, as soon as you realise you're not getting in the playoffs, in my opinion, just why start, would you want to win? Games? Why would you want to win any games? Exactly, get a get a higher draft pick. But um, that Monday night football wasn't our last game of the week because we had the Baltimore Ravens playing on Tuesday night, and they were playing against. We just like totally tired over the fact that Josh Allen had like one of the best performances no, from no, quarterback uh, no, this no. week. I know I realised I didn't talk about it too much, but uh, yeah, it was very very great from him. I must say. 375 yards, four, four touchdowns. touchdowns. No INTs. Like, I, I, I stand by what I said at the start of this podcast, is that he could be MVP. I think he's had too many dodgy games in the middle of the season to get MVP. Yeah. And he's that, a dark horse for sure, but uh, he, would, he would need to finish the four, like, next four games with 15 touchdowns. Um... 15 touchdowns and a thousand yards and over 1,500 yards maybe yeah if he has games like that I think he could oh massively but again you've also got Aaron Rodgers who has like I've already been told that he's MVP that's for the NFL still yeah yeah, you've got inside information (laughs) about that but yeah I mean there's no doubt definitely uh, uh, but I think I think for quite a long time we've realised this is a pass first offence and with Josh Allen there He's a very, 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 he's a very, he's a very, very, very solid quarterback. Uh, and with the right coaching around him, which he has there now, McDermott, a wee bit of experience, he's doing quite well. Right, let's go on to this last game of the week. The Tuesday, Tuesday night football was, what was it actually branded as? Can anyone remember? Was this meant Thursday. to be a Sunday? Was it branded as Thursday? Yeah. Uh, Tuesday night football branded as Thursday. They, they, they like to keep us on our toes with like the Cardinals signing the end zone in a 49ers Bills game and sitting on a, a Tuesday night watching Thursday night football. That's just 2020 for you. Yeah, exactly. But uh, uh, what was perhaps more 2020 was the fact that uh, Baltimore won 34-17 against the Dallas Cowboys team who are really bad. And, uh, do you know, for the first time in 14 years, the Cowboys have been flexed out of a primetime game for week 15. I don't know if you saw this. They were meant to be playing against the 49ers on Sunday night football on the in game week 15, and they've moved them to the one o'clock window and moved another game into Sunday night football. It's the first time in... Because f- they're so bad. Because the game doesn't mean anything anymore. But, uh, and that's the first time in 14 years that the Cowboys have been moved from primetime. And that one of the reasons for that is because Good. they lost this game. 
Uh, only scoring half the points of Baltimore. Don't get me wrong, on the Dallas Cowboys side of the ball, when you look at the stat line, just, just without having seen the game, you see Elliott rushing for 77 yards, and you see Dalton throwing for 285 and two touchdowns and an interception. Doesn't look that bad, but Baltimore rushed. <laughs> I'm just having to check this. Nearly 300 rushing yards on the Baltimore team. Are we sure they're a, a run-first team? They're, they're giving us doubts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, only 107 total passing yards for Lamar Jackson as well, but this was a typical Ravens performance, wasn't it? I, th- I yeah. think the Cowboys are the worst the worst run D in the league as well, so Harbaugh's obviously said, listen, <laughs> we're going to run. <laughs> and we're going to run a lot. It's as simple as that. And if you don't run, give it to him and he'll run. And if you I don't, run instead, and then he'll yeah. run. <laughs> I think oh, but, um, like but, but Hollywood Brown's in the end zone. He's free. Like should I throw it? No. Run, <laughs> run. I think um, I don't. I don't know if you saw the video. It was like a side by side of of Lamar Jackson. Three of Lamar Jackson's rushing touchdowns this season. It is the exact same play. The defense has done the exact same thing, and he's run like forty yards up the middle and scored a touchdown. It's exactly um, what he was doing last season as well. Just those, I think those little runs through the middle. Get that game kind of gave you a glimpse again of what Lamar Jackson is so capable of. Um, didn't throw the ball a lot, but he was so good on the ground. Um, and I think the, I'm going to call them the Dolphins there. The Ravens are just, well, I, I would arguably say the best best running offense in the league. Oh, 100%, um, yeah. They, they just have so many options. Talking of people with really ba- boring basic names like Gus Edwards, again, just sounds like the old guy you would meet in the pub. Uh, but he's a very good running back. Certainly um, is. He only needs seven yeah. attempts to get 100 yards. He, he was the standout, but, I mean, J.K. Dobbins is in there as well. He got a touchdown, 71 yards. Lamar Jackson obviously gets 94 yards and a touchdown. Mark Ingram has 30 yards and has a boring game yeah, and still manages I, to contribute to that I, total. When like, you see how good Ingram was last year in terms of statistics, this year really it's been a, a drop-off for him. He's, uh, he's nothing. But Patrick Ricard, two two receptions for 11 yards. He's really pulling away at the top of that table as the number one running back. But for anybody who, who doesn't know this, uh, we, we check the fantasy football statistics and for some reason... Ricard is always at the top of those, those running back <laughs> statistics. He's the number one ranked running back in the league. It's obviously, I don't know if anybody else's league has that, but ours does. And it's, I wonder, I might actually check while you talk, check my English league and see if it's like that there. Or if it's just an ESPN <laughs> mistake. But well, yeah, it's, um, go on Patrick Ricard. He's really staking his claim for the dark horse and the MVP. Screw your Josh Allens and stuff like that. This is uh, Patrick Ricard's time. Well, Mikey, I wouldn't spend too long doing that because you're about to start doing a lot of talking in a few seconds' time. I'll just finish. It this week. <laughs> I'll just <laughs> finish this by saying, typical Ravens performance. They get ahead and then they run the ball and they win the game. And so when they can yep. do that, that's what happens. And against a bad team like the Cowboys, they certainly did that. And that's all 15 games from this week we finished talking about. That must be record time. We've got we're going to have to waste some time here talking about the the playoffs. <laughs> Um, but what we'll do is we'll make sure that we've got the right playoffs uh, to talk about this week after yep. Mikey had fun giving us old playoff statistics. Alvin Kamara and Patrick Ricard are still number one. <laughs> still number one. Good. Well, you see, Ricard, yeah, might, if he just has a better week, I mean, he might need a couple of touchdowns to, to pull away. So Alvin Kamara's total points in the season, 280. Patrick Ricard's 14. 
And then third place, Dalvin Cook, 275. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's consistency from Ricard there at the top then, clearly. Right, so let's move on then to our playoff predictions, a game we like to play every week. And hopefully we've got it right this week, Mikey, with our uh, our, play- our playoff picture that we have. I'm sure some of your friends commented on your slight mess up last week. I was a little embarrassed because it was, for some people, it was their first week listening to the podcast. So I had to send them the link and then be like, just be warned, this is not a reflection on the PHFL podcast. This is all on me. We all make mistakes. <laughs> Whatever. So well, we have this week, the there are no mistakes. The Jets versus the Jags in the playoffs. <laughs> so I'm, we'll I'm start with go, the AFC. Go, go for the Jags in that game, I think. <laughs> um. <laughs> We have the number two Chiefs. So the Indianapolis Colts play them at the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs. Chiefs for me. Clean sweep. I'll take the Chiefs as well. Um, then we've got the Miami Dolphins at the number three Buffalo Bills. Dolphins obviously the number six seed. Bills. Bills for me. Same again. I'll take that. And this is a big one. Browns at Titans. Five versus four. Titans for me. Yeah, I think I think the Titans have all learnt their lesson. Baker yeah. Mayfield's not good enough to do that twice. <laughs> um, so that's the one, two, three, and four seeds going through. So we've got Titans at Steelers. Titans. Titans for me. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Right. Okay. Titans. It is then. Um, and then we've got the Bills at the Chiefs. Chiefs. Bills. Yeah, I'll take the Chiefs. I can't not take the Chiefs. So we have the number four Tennessee Titans at Arrowhead versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Is that a, is that a rematch of last year's AFC Championship game? Yep, yeah. same two. I'd take the Chiefs again. Chiefs, I take yeah. the Chiefs. Nah, that's unlike us. Um, <laughs> and then we've got so the number one number one seed in the NFC is the New Orleans Saints. So. This is a game I do not feel confident about. I don't know about you, Adam. The number seven Vikings at the number two Packers. I'd take the Packers. I'd take us in a divisional rematch. Just because you're not confident on it, I'm going to go Vikings just so I can see what Mikey ends up saying. Packers, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Number six, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Obviously, they were on the bye week this week, so they've been almost forgotten about in this podcast, but they're still the number six seed uh, at the Los Angeles Rams. Now you see, to run if, all over them. if the Bucks were playing against the Packers, I'd be worried. But I fancy the Rams to beat the Bucks. I'm taking the Rams. I'm I'm loving the Rams this season. Um, number five, Seattle Seahawks at the New York Giants. Number four seed. Well, I I don't think the Giants have have got a chance of beating the Seahawks, do they? I don't think that could happen. So I think I'll I'll go for the Seahawks. Yeah, I'm going Seahawks. Man. I think they'll learn from the mistakes. That yeah, the yeah let's go Seahawks. Right, so the number five Seahawks play the New Orleans Saints. Saints. Yep, Saints. Yep, and big, big game. Los Angeles Rams at Lambeau Field against the Green Bay Packers. I'm going Rams. I would go Packers just... I am going Rams. I think the Rams, I said it in the podcast today, I think the Saints and the Rams are the two strongest teams in the NFC. Um, and that's obviously the NFC Championship. So the Los Angeles Rams travel to the Big Easy to play the New Orleans Saints. I would take the Saints there over the Rams. 
Uh, yeah, I think. Mm, yeah, Saints. See, I would have kind, taken the Rams. I kind of, I feel like game. by that point, the the breeze, <laughs> the breeze will be back. Um, the big breezy. The big breeze, <laughs> big breezy will be back. <laughs> I'll be off a windy down in New Orleans. <laughs> um, no, I, I think Drew Breeze will be back by then. And I think, I think the Saints are too strong with Breeze. Right, so we have. I'm just checking to see if this is the first time we've had it. It is. This is the first time we've had the Kansas City Chiefs against the New Orleans Saints in Tampa for the Super Bowl. This is tough. I I actually I'm not sure, but I think uh, I would select. I'm just trying to stall as long as I can so I can think. I think I would Saints. select the Saints. I think I'd go the Saints. Really, I, um, I don't yeah. think that the I don't think the Saints secondary would keep up with Mahomes. I I would have said the Rams in the in the Super Bowl and probably a Chiefs win, but now that I the Saints, are, I'm going to say a Chiefs win. Breeze collects the Super Bowl trophy and announces his Retires. retirement on there yeah. as he takes the Super Bowl go. trophy. But you're going to say like collapses with <laughs> old age or something. I think that's probably more likely. Takes a coronary yeah. and <laughs> Chiefs Saints with a Chiefs win. No doubt the Chiefs and Saints will probably both lose this week and they'll we'll both not have them in them next week. But yeah. I would have taken I, I honestly think it's gonna be a Chiefs Rams Super Bowl. That's the one I want to see. I want to see that high hitting D versus the elite offense. But got to stick to what all three of us say as a group, sadly. Exactly. So that's that. Right. Well, um you Did I do okay there? Yes, it was okay. better than before, okay. certainly. Yeah. Um thank the God. I know, and that's us reached our two-minute warning, Mikey, so you've got more stuff to do. Uh, and we're looking at our predictions. So yeah, the pressure's off because you've already made the predictions, so if you've made any wrong predictions, <laughs> then uh, you can't do anything to affect it. The first... Yeah, I'm just looking here. Of the 15 games, and we spoke about this before we came on there, we've done a sweep for 10 of the 15 games, whether they're right or wrong, we've all picked the same team on 10 of the 15 games. Right, well, the first game, Cleveland beat Tennessee, did we sweep that one? We did, all for the Titans though. Alright, well, <laughs> we were wrong, right. Uh, I'm assuming we all swept the Raiders beating the Jets? Yes, I've written down that we've I've put our names under the Jets, but we all sweep the Raiders. I hope so, I don't think I'd ever pick the Jets. Um, <laughs> the Vikings beat the Jags? We all picked the Vikings. The Dolphins beat the Bengals. We all had the Dolphins. The Colts beat the Texans. We all had the Colts. This is getting boring now, isn't it? The Lions beat the Bears. Adam, Lone Wolf with the Lions. Me and Kai stupidly took the Bears. No, to be fair, I think... You know you know, Kai, the Detroit Lions supporter? Yeah, Kai. Can I just point out that I said I had a feeling that every team that sacks their coach always seems to win the next game. My only downside to this week was that Kenny Kenny Dolliday... Kenny Dolliday. Kenny, Go- <laughs> Dolliday. Kenny Golladay was out. DeAndre Swift was out. There was too many parts of their main offence that were out, and I just felt like they would struggle. Fair play to them. They've proved my theory to be right, that every team that sacks their coach appears to win the next game. I mean, I think it's about the only time you've not picked the lines in this, and it's the yeah. time that they <laughs> uh, So we can skip the next game, because we need to talk about who picked the Saints to beat the Falcons. Me and Kai did, so uh, you had a good shout with the Lions, but you lost your point back to me and Kai, because me and Kai said the Saints, and yeah. you said the Falcons. Yeah. Um, did we all pick the Giants to beat the Seahawks? 
we all picked the Seahawks. All right. Stupidly. Uh, Rams over the Cardinals. We all picked the Rams. Uh, Patriots demolishing the Chargers. Um, Kai was wrong. <laughs> Quick question. Kai had the Chargers. We, we had the Patriots. Do we, do we get two points for that because we were so right? I would say, I would say so. Yeah. I think that sounds fair. Uh, the Packers beating the Eagles. Kai, I just want to ask: Did you pick the Eagles just out of support, or like, did you actually think they would win the game? No, I just I couldn't I couldn't go and pick the Packers in a predictions no, league sense. with no, two other that. Packers fans when I'm an Eagles I fan. Res- I respect that. Yeah, yeah. I've got um, to back my team. Yeah, so me and Adam had the the cheese heads. Yeah, I can back that stupidity from Kai. It makes it uh, more likely that I'll catch him up. Uh, the Chiefs beating the the Broncos. We all had the Chiefs. Yeah, uh, nobody picked Washington to beat Pittsburgh, did they? I was just about to compliment you and say, and Adam with the pick of the week picks the Washington, <laughs> Washington football team that you've just went and outgunned yourself there. You had Washington football team to beat the Steelers. Good call. To be fair, um, that was mainly. No, you had that. Yeah, of course. hundred percent. I've said. Yeah, this. of course. I think the last two or three weeks I've picked against the Steelers because I think they've got to lose at some point, <laughs> uh, and also because I'm a huge Tony Gibson fanboy. Uh, but he didn't really do anything, obviously. But... He had a big effect, eh? Yeah, exactly. Hey, those fourteen yards were invaluable. Um, More than JD and McKissick got on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very true. Um, Buffalo beat the 49ers. We all had the Bills. Yeah, and we all have the Ravens beating the Cowboys. We did so. So how does that leave our scores for this week and overall, Mikey? It is getting interesting. So on the week, in third place is Kai with 9 out of 15. Say, very respectable. In second place, myself, Mikey, with 11 out of 15. And in first place, seems to be a trend over the past couple of weeks, is Adam with 12 out of 15. There we go. Very good. See, see that five points that we gave you, Adam? <laughs> well, listen, yeah, because we're in total. We have, a, we have joint second place now, with Kai and Adam both on 97 out of 100. 100% we're taking that back. That doesn't count. <laughs> but that is with, if anybody's any new listeners, we gave... Adam started the predictions so poorly that we gave Adam a little quiz with, and he got it right, and it gave him five points uh, for his predictions. But if you, uh, hopefully, Adam can beat Kai by more than five, and then that way it's take it's off fair. the five. But I don't want your petty points anymore. If you're gonna well, spite we'll me, we'll need them. to discuss that in our next meeting. <laughs> um, so yeah, Kai and Adam both on ninety-seven, and probably the last time I can probably say this because I'm worried about my matchup this week. Just like in ESPN fantasy. And just like in sleeper fantasy, I am number one with 104 out of 160. So there's a seven point gap just now. I'm trying to find um, the mute button on Mikey. I can only find a toilet. <laughs> It'll be the last time I say that because I think I think our great friend and um, happy birthday, late belated birthday to Sean Flynn. Um, I think he will beat me this week and claim the number one seed in our main league. But that remains to be seen. And then I'll, yes, and, I'll, um, take, and... I'll take the number one in Dynasty. Yeah, so potentially could, could come be a next bad week. week. Yeah, Mikey could not be number one see, in see, either like, division. See all the people we I don't know any of them. But see all the people in Mikey's other league, as he calls it, his England league. Can someone you know totally just demolish Mikey this week as well, like that? And to be fair, they're they're doing a lot better than me. I'm like I've Mikey, won my division. There's two guys in the other division that are like ten and two or something like that. They're doing really well. So, so long as you beat Mikey, that's all we care about. That's it. <laughs> To send messages. Feel, the... feel free to let us know because oh, yeah. Mikey won't admit that he's lost. No, he's he's currently kissing the PHFL trophy just now. Get your groy hands off that. 
I'll be coming back That's for a the communal next year. trophy. That's going to need wiped going to down and sanitised when we get it back. It's going, to to, it's going to need to isolate for 14 days before it goes <laughs> to the next owner. Well, uh, we'll finish on that then, will we? Talking about our PHFL trophy. Um, thank you for football. Yes. Uh, oh yes, we got Thursday night. I was forgetting because we didn't have Thursday night last week. Had. I know yeah. it's been a, it's been a bit of a disjointed couple of weeks. Yes, it's been very strange, but we do I'm have taking, Thursday night football. I'm taking the Super Bowl winners, the Los Angeles Rams. As much as I'm in on the Patriots, I'm taking the Rams. I have to agree. I think I'll go Rams on that one. Uh, I am considering it is in LA, so I'm going to go LA. There you go. If it was a Gillette, I might have picked New England, but uh, I think I think the Rams. That's a, a, so another sweep, another boring sweep for all three of us picking the same team. From now on, I'm just going to make sure I pick the same as Adam, so that he can never get ahead of me. <laughs> and by the end of the season, I can take those five points off him, and he's well, gone with me. I think you'll petty. find you'll find I, I'm the expert at putting them in at like six or one. Just, I, just as the, the first kickoffs happening. Yes, exactly. Uh, nothing to do with the fact that I normally forget about it until I'm in the car driving and I have to pull <laughs> over to the side of the road to make the predictions. Uh, but yes, thank you, Kai. Thank you, Mikey, for joining us again this week. Pleasure. Thank you. Yes. And uh, we look forward to talking about this week's NFL games. Uh, we'll see you in the next one.